Welcome to the vault where you can find the code to unlock your success. In this space, I invite real, inspiring and successful experts. We have eye-opening conversations about the way to reach your highest potential in life and in business. We will cover the mastery of mindset, energy, emotions, transformation, sales, marketing, thriving in business without losing your authenticity and balance. Hi, I'm Sonia Martinovic and host of The Vault, an entrepreneur, mindset mastery and online business coach with an obsession on real transformation. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs and other influencers master the mindset and build a successful and impactful business. Do you want to break free from your limitations and express your truest self in business and in life? Is growth your game and success your aim? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the vault. Let's start cracking your code. And welcome to a new episode where we are going to level up with Shauna Shu. She's a certified speaking professional, a master NLP practitioner and coaches leaders who want to improve results with people. She also lives on 20 acres and use, uses relationships with pets to relate even more with people. And this is a super interesting talk. If you haven't seen it, she has a TED talk about it. It relates so much to leadership. So today we're going to cover um, how to become a better presenter and a speaker, how to, what the best tricks are and tips are to up your leadership. And I'm super excited to have you here, Shauna. Welcome to the vault. Oh, I'm excited. We've opened the vault at least to the podcast vault today. <laughs> yes, yes. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Let people in on the story, how you became a, a speaker and how you're so successful in leading leaders. Thank you so much. Uh, the first thing that I was thinking, and I just got this hit, so I want to kind of go there. You and I talked about how organic this could be and how people do what they need to do. And I remember when I wanted to be a speaker, or actually the funny piece was I didn't know there was a speaking industry. I had been working inside another industry. And when you become an expert at something, people ask you to speak about it. And so that was where my, my premise was, right? That it wasn't you're a speaker, it's that you're an expert. And so people want your expertise. And I still think that anyone who's listening that really wants to go into the speaking field should not be thinking, I want to be a speaker. They should be thinking, I want to share my expertise. And then what is my expertise that would be of value to an audience? Because really and truly, the biggest thing that I think most, most of us do wrong, or I did it wrong, was we're like, it's all about me. I'll be the speaker and I hope I don't foul up and I hope they love me. And it's ego driven. Yeah. And when you stop, people can relate to that. I think that's, you just hit the nail. <laughs> yeah. Because they want to be a speaker. Oh, I'm a great speaker. And I'm like, when you stop that, you know, because what is a speaker? I remember when somebody told me, um, oh, there's a speaker school. And I went, it was a one day training thing, speaker school. And I, I laughed and I went, Really? And they went, yeah, there's a speaker's association. And I went, really? Like, is it like the Filbert Association? Like nobody knows it exists. And they went, no, it's gigantic, Shauna. It's a huge industry. And it just hit me as funny. So I belong to the National Speakers Association and I've earned my CSP, which is the highest earned designation. Hmm. However, I learned that we should not call it a speaker. You don't want to be a speaker. Really, I'm going to say this a hundred times. No, I'm only going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you want to be an expert. 
and you want to share your expertise. That is valuable. Being a speaker doesn't value anyone, except maybe you because you like speaking. Does that make sense, Anya? Yes, it makes total sense what you're saying. You really want to share a message. But I think when people think about speakers, it's also about how to deliver that message and the expertise in the best way possible. So what what would your tips be or your secrets be when it comes to delivery of a message? Because we know a lot of times that uh, body language and the tone and the way you bring your energy is more important than the direct content, right? How do you feel about that? I think it's a marriage. It's a perfect duet. So if you are great on stage, but you're using everyone else's stories, everyone else's materials, anyone with that has discernment and audiences are getting very discerning because we get to watch everything online now, you will be found out. So it doesn't matter how dynamic you are. Just like sometimes you see a speaker and they're not that great, but people are on the edge of their seats because of the content. So the the mix, the beauty, the perfect uh, recipe, I guess you would say, is that you would be, you would have great value to share. You would do it in a really compelling way and that you would let go of or make sure that you didn't do all the things that prevent people from listening. All your odd mannerisms, the words that you use, things like that. And so I think that's where I would head, I would put, you know, send people. The other thing is there was a book at one time called Speak and Grow Rich. And oh, we, most really? of us have, yeah, we most of us have, have heard Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill. And I can't remember who wrote this one, but here's the, the premise of it. If you want to be a good speaker, you, you probably should speak about 500 times before you ever ask for pay. Yeah. And people don't, they're immediately like, I'm going to be a speaker and I'm going to charge. And, and you're like, where have you earned the right to stand up and, and share your values or whatnot? So that's where the expertise comes in is that you offer yourself up to speak about what you think people want or what people have asked you for. And here's the other thing when you're speaking, or this is how I did it. Every time I spoke, I expected to get business out of the time I spoke. Hmm. So if no one asks for you to come and speak, you probably need to get better. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you're really good. Uh, And remember, being really good doesn't mean they find value. That's the big, big ticket here. I think that if they have real expertise, they deliver value. Unless you get caught up in telling a great story or being incredibly charming. Like when I first started, I, I really wanted them to like me. Now, maybe that's my low, was my low self-esteem, right? We're being yeah. super <laughs> transparent. I think it's a beginner's thing, right? You always focus well, on yourself first before. <laughs> well said, well yeah. said. It's a beginner's thing. And I was like, oh, I hope they like me. And then if the whole group gave me compliments and one person didn't like me, that's mm-hmm. the only one I would focus on, right? Mm. So then I shifted because I was getting coached, which I think is vitally important to any professional is to get coached. And I was reading a lot of books on things and I went to this speaker school, things like that. And I realized that I had it wrong. And now I even tell my audiences, it's okay if you don't like me, but I want you to pay attention to some of the stuff I'm going to challenge you with. Yeah. 
You know, I want you to learn something. That's great. Yeah. Sometimes you need to prime the audience for what they are about to do, right? <laughs> People need to know what they, they need to take action on. So that's, that's a very valuable tip. And is it the same for presentation? Do you find a difference? Because a lot of people have issues presenting and maybe having the same experience, you know, but how do you find that you could give some good tips when it comes to presenting, even if you're in corporate or you're in business or presenting your offer, presenting your pitch, presenting uh, anything of that in words, of course, not, not written. <laughs> yes. The, the most important thing based on what you just said in my mind and I've worked with teams to help them with their pitches. Mm -hmm. um, so Nestle Perina brought me in and coached with all their innovation award winners. So we were working only on pitches. It doesn't matter if it's a pitch, if it's a 60 minute presentation, or if you're speaking to the Toastmasters, mm. be willing to throw all of it out if you're reading your audience. Mm. So you plan, I'm going to say this and this and this, and you're all caught in your plan. And if you're not paying attention to the audience, you're going to lose because yeah. I was at a presentation one time and just uh, the big keynote presenter, and there was all these breakouts afterwards and nobody knew this, but the big keynote presenter talked about Auschwitz and, and being a prisoner of war and everything. And the whole thing was dark. Mm. And then of course we all went into breakouts yeah. <laughs> and everybody was going to do this funny, you know, and it was like, if you don't pay attention, yeah to the group coming in, you know, and they're yeah. already in this quiet mode. Mm. You needed to change your openings. You needed to. So I would say be on top of it enough to throw it out. If it doesn't fit who's right in front of you. And I can't tell you how many presenters don't, they're going to yeah. stay to their deck. They're going to yeah. stay to their presentation. Yeah. I, I definitely remember when I was in corporate and when I was doing like big sales presentations, the audience was for me, at least the number one, to see if I'm right on, if I should change, iterate the message. I was never stuck in a message. I was only stuck on the energy that I was about to bring, bring and what was to work with that energy. And once you feel that coming up, then you can really pick it up and, and turn it into fire. At least that's, that's for me, my experience. So, but now we're living in this moment, we're living more in a digital age. So people are a lot speaking to people, let's say on lives, or they're speaking on clubhouse, or they're speaking on stages where they actually cannot capture uh, hundred percent, the energy of the receiver. So how, do you have any tips on that? I think the same intent. And by the way, it sounds like you really did things right. So bravo to you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I did two TEDx. TEDx talks. And one of them was in front of 2000 people live in Austin, Texas. It was amazing energy. Loved it, loved it. And then I had been booked to do another one um, in uh, Atlanta. And of course the pandemic hit. So we ended up doing it live, but virtually live. So I was in my own home studio and what have you. And the difference of course is there is no audience, right? You're, oh. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, oh. and so what helped me and what tip I might is that I really envisioned the people. I, 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 I took myself through the camera lens and really pretended like they were nodding at me. It was all my imagination. Mm -hmm. And I have gotten great reviews on this one too, because I loved that camera. I loved who was, oh, who was behind know. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really is not being worried about your own presentation. Cause it was, there's wrinkles in everything. I'm, I'm, messy with life, right? I mean, right now it's tumbling over my words, but you get that I'm true. 
And so I think if if you let go of, I have to be perfect because it's videotaped, to um, <laughs> I really see the people behind the camera. I guess that would be the tip. Yeah. So um, you do also a lot. You do a coaching for executive coaching, executive leaders. So what, what kind of problems do you see most with executive leaders that... Um, yeah. What kind of problems do you see most with executive leaders? <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting. People ask me if I have an industry niche and I do not. And one of the reasons is because I find that leadership has the same issues. It doesn't matter if you're in the lumber industry or if you're in making shoes or whatever, all these different clients I've had. The, the challenge, of course, is communication. And my favorite quote is from uh, Bernard Shaw that said, the challenge with communication is the illusion it's been achieved. Mm. So I think most of the time within leaders, they have gotten into a mode of telling and selling. You know, mm -hmm. they're always telling people what to do and selling their concepts and the initiatives. And we've got to get yes. things done. Yes. And when I work with them, we really want to shift that from all this tell, tell, sell, sell, you know, out, out, out to what if you ask? What if you actually put it on, you know, and there are really great tools that I use and, and certain techniques that all help a leader get to a place where, because this is what my definition of a, a brilliant leader is, someone who helps others uncover or discover it for themselves. And if you're a leader that tells all the time, they're not discovering it for themselves. No. It's a really subtle, beautiful, juicy thing. And that's why I love it so much. But it was something I didn't want to miss. Um, but when we were talking to you, because I'm early morning, right? Because you're you're at noon, late noon, late noon, yeah, <laughs> late noon and I'm at 7 a.m. And then those that you and I are looking at each other on video, but I've got <laughs> lights coming in from the windows. It's so bright. And people always say, well, isn't that early? And and uh, over 15 years ago, I was doing a, a program called Create Your Ultimate Year for executives. And I was realizing that one, one lesson a month wasn't, even though certain people were really getting a lot out of it, it wasn't. So back then I developed something called the 515 accountability call. And oh, so at 515 or you, you wake up at five, I have to get up much earlier than that, but you wake up at five, you're on a call at 515, five days a week. And it's an accountability call. And it's, we're off, we're on and off in 15 minutes. And people are like, are you nuts? How can you do this? That's amazing. You know, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I've been doing it now. There's all these books about morning routines and things like that. And it makes me laugh, you know, because 15 years ago, I was doing these kind of things. But one of the things, whether it be speaking or any of it, is when you get into a great personal habit or a routine that supports your goals. So like on my 515 on Mondays, everyone on it tells me what they will be accountable for by Friday. And that's great. They're saying it. it in front of everybody else too. And guess what? Oh, that's double accountability. Yes. <laughs> and leaders don't want to be embarrassed, right? So they're going to wake up, show up and do the work. So what a great, no one wants to be embarrassed, but particularly you said that really well, leaders, early leaders, right? so, <laughs> so true. So true. I know. I know. So, and sometimes it's definitely holding them back, right? Because there is a part of vulnerability, which is also so important to have as a leader so that people actually 
find you relatable and uh, know that you don't need to know everything, right? You just need to lead. Yeah. You said something really beautiful when you said the vulnerability. I was, I, I coach uh, quite a few people from different industries and a lot of co people who are getting coached don't even tell people that they're being coached because of that vulnerability. But when you look at a leader, look at yourself or even me, I'm not, I'm, who am I going to have a talk with for what I am feeling, this imposter syndrome, where I am feeling unworthy or I'm feeling like I don't, I'm not going to talk to my leaders because then I would put a doubt in their mind. Yes. I'm not going to talk to my team, my staff, my employee, because I'm going to put a doubt in their mind. I'm certainly not going to tell my peers because I don't want them to think that I'm less than. And yes. my family just pats me on the back and tells me how great I am. Who do I talk to to yes. talk about my fears and my vulnerabilities and the fact that it, when you're in that same place, mm -hmm. besides your leaders, very few people will tell you you're doing it wrong. Mm. Their yes. job depends on you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And I've seen this on all levels and it definitely holds leaders back, right? So coaching is amazing when it comes to that and seeing the blind spots, right, of yourself as a leader. So uh, can you tell a little bit more about blind spots leaders have right now and what they can improve today in order to, for them to be a better leader? What's great about you is that you're, you're constantly swinging it back to help that. What can we do? What are the tips and techniques? I love that about you. It's wonderful. <laughs> I uh, put together a quiz called um, Your Leadership Blind Spots. So anyone can find it on my website, which I'm sure you're going to link to or something. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's my name.com, but um, how to spell it that. in the show notes, guys. So I'm going to pop <laughs> it in the show notes. So within the Leadership Blind Spots, the one I find at the highest, well, there's all kinds of ones. Sometimes your blind spot is that you're going too fast. You're, you're going so fast, you're unfocused yeah. and you don't even realize. Now you might know you're going really fast, but you don't really realize how unfocused that makes you. Yeah. Um, another blind spot, which I find that at the highest levels is you don't know, you really don't know. Mm. Like you don't know what you don't know. I Have know. you found that with people? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people, uh, it is just, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know that you have any limiting beliefs or let's say something holding you back or what the cause is of some kind of emotion or decision you are not very content with, if you don't know what it is, then you don't know. So I definitely see this with people and it's just, sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge and a lack of changing perspectives and a lack of, uh, yeah, just really putting different glasses on to see a situation in different different way and just get more answers to one question, more solutions to one problem. You had mentioned it uh, in some of your materials about a growth mindset. Yeah. And of course, um, there's a book on habits and talks about the difference between a set mindset and a growth mindset. Yes. And it, And it's beautiful. However, almost every human being has both in them. We tend more to growth or more to set, but sometimes we get we get set on something because we believe it to be so right. Mm -hmm. And I find that the ones, the people who actually seek me as as a coach are ones that are really seeking that advocate that I call it you you have because you don't you can't go anywhere else. You need your own Gandalf, right? You need your own Yoda and someone who is not going to tell you what to do because inherently, Leaders, especially the best ones, know what to do, but to challenge the thinking, 
or challenge some of the actions they're taking or even the way that they're speaking yeah. neuro-linguistic programming, your language. Yeah. Where did that come from? And when you have someone who is in your corner, the clients that, that usually pay for themselves, I do both work where I, I work with people who are entrepreneurs or have a team or really want to be their best self, leadership self, executive yeah. self. I also work inside teams where a leader will bring me on for and give me as a gift to her top leaders. It's something they earn. However, I find even though they get a ton out of it, when you don't have any skin in the game, you know, mm. I really like skin in the game. I like, I, I'm willing. If you want to know if, if somebody's really committed, look at their calendar and their checkbook, because if they're not spending any money, oh, I, I love learning. And they haven't taken any classes, you know, yeah. they haven't read any books. They haven't done any, you know, oh, I, I'm yeah. so into, I'm so into health. And yet they've got fast food on every single one of their bank statements. You know, right? <laughs> you're, you're like, uh, so you say, but yeah. what's true is what's in your what calendar. You yeah. yeah and, and on your, you know, if you look at my bank, if you look at my checkbook, it's all animals. <laughs> yeah. And I spent a lot of money on my horses and my dogs, yeah. but I also, I belong to audible, you know, I pay for coaching. That's, I, yeah. So okay, that's is earning a lot of money uh, with me. That that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love readers, but leaders are readers, right? You always need to improve yourself and opening up that mindset, right. And opening up a ways to communicate with people because leadership is all about your energy exchange with people. Right. So well said. Um, yeah. So what would you say, because we have talking, been talking about pets and I know you, you know, a ton of things about pets. You did a TEDx talk about pets related to leaders. So could you tell us a story um, about the behaviors of pets and leaders and what we can learn from them? I would love to. And this is one I'm just, as just happening to me currently, right this minute, I am fostering puppies. I do it as a give back to the world and it's humbling to say the least. And yesterday I was doing a, a workshop with a group of leaders that we were doing on the spot coaching. And I used puppies as an analogy because think about it. When you become a leader, you're a puppy, you know, you're bumbling along and you're, you're stumbling over yourself and you're trying to figure it out and you know, you're anxious and all that stuff. And, and then, and a people above you sometimes nip at you, you know, like that was wrong <laughs> and uh, you're doing your very best. But also when you become a leader, you are given a group of puppies, people who you don't know, and you're trying to figure out their way. And here's what I understood when I, my first set of, I've, I fostered three different sets of puppies. And the first time I was so overwhelmed. Mm. Think about new leadership. You know, you're like, Oh my heavens, they're going, they're all going in different directions and they think different things. And I mean, there's your team, right? Yeah. And I realized what I didn't do well, you need systems. As a leader, you need systems. And with puppies, you need systems. Man, I've got rubber <laughs> gloves at every door. Okay. And then um, you also, besides the systems, you you've got to figure out the good things, you know, what is consistent. And we as human beings are very inconsistent. Yeah. So having puppies, and then I thought after I had that first set of puppies, there were seven of them and a mom, I went, I got this dialed. This is a leadership challenge, 
right? Because we think once we've led a group, we got this down. Then a whole <laughs> set of puppies comes. <laughs> yeah, and this, yeah, I know that. I've been cha- I've been managing and uh, a lot of teams, right? So for me, uh, definitely, that's hundred percent truth. Yeah, and oh, and then within the puppies, so you're getting different sets of puppies, and they're all at different levels. Sometimes you you get a, some old dogs. You yes. get to lose old dogs. <laughs> That's a whole different challenge. Oh, boss. I'm going way back right now. I'm going way <laughs> back. I love it. Yes. Go on. <laughs> and, 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 you know, those old dogs are, are growlers and they're like their way. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're, they're not as easy to work with. And so you as a puppy leader and having other, you just, you really, that flexibility. And then what I, the three things that I, I have to remember because I've done this puppy thing three different times. I I work with teams all the time. I get new clients. They're all puppies Mm. is number one, every experience that you have with an animal, with new teams, with elite, everything is a growth opportunity. If that's how you view it. Mm. Number two, that when you're working with puppies or even old dogs, empathy works. It's the one thing all the way across. If you think of it with compassion or put yourself in their shoes, they got a brand new puppy leader and they're like, oh, heavens, right? There's yeah. the, they're looking at you. And then lastly, the reason you're doing it is because you love it. There's joy. Yeah. You know, oh, there is so, so much puppy poop. I love that yeah. you said that. It, it, it just, there's so much puppy poop around me that if I focused <laughs> on just the puppy poop, I would, I would be unhappy. But instead, I scoop, scoop, scoop. That's just a mess I have to clean up. But the yeah. joy of having them around they tumble and fall and they're just so adorable. Your team has got so much talent and so many good things. Find that. Yes. And don't yes, I love that. that. And I love what you said in your TEDx talk when it uh, comes to that animals or puppies, it doesn't matter, right? Really are always focused on what they want. And yes. human beings are mostly primed and focused on what they don't want. I don't want my team member to do this. I don't want to not hit my target. I don't want to, you know, I, I need to get rid of this person instead of viewing what they actually do want and how to, to achieve it. Uh, that is actually one of the most important key pieces of that particular TEDx talk. And I think it, that might be in your show notes. If they go to my website, it'll there. my TEDx is on there too. So oh, that's there. amazing. That's amazing. So tell people, uh, is there anything that you didn't, uh, that I didn't ask you, which you would love people to know about uh, leadership or speaking or whatever? Uh, no, I think you did a great job. And I, my goal is that we give value. And I think we did. And if they yes, go through absolutely. and go, oh, I so need accountability you. and not, an, I mean, you, you were definitely right there with the tips. So I, use this stuff. That's all I can say. Yes. You and know, this is my website. I would love yeah. to talk with whoever. Yeah, so so I will definitely put all your information in the show notes. If you want to find Shawna, you can definitely find her over there. She has a, a blind spot a leader quiz that's very interesting. And um, also, you know, the listeners of The Vault and you guys listening, take in all the tips and try it. And if you like the episode, please make sure that you let us know and that you rate us. It takes a minute and it helps The Vault grow so we can bring in more expert leaders. And for now... Uh, Thank you so much, Shauna. And next week, we will level up with you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vault. Respect for showing up and creating your next stage of life and business. 
If you like this episode, I invite you to dive deeper and stay. The S stands for subscribe and share. Make a screenshot right now and pay it forward and send this to five friends who can benefit from this value. The T stands for try and transform. Try the technique, at least until the next episode. The A stands for action. Action creates success. Don't stay a student when you have a code. You should try to open the vault. And finally, the Y stands for you. This is about the most valuable asset of the vault and life in general. The one and only authentic you. So if this was your code, please comment and help the vault grow. Hashtag unlocked, hashtag next level, hashtag dive deeper. And see you next week to level up again.